Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zanashef and John Plisse. Howdy, my brewing brothers and sisters. Hey, I'm supposed to say that. Oh, my bad. But <laughs> <laughs> you, you said woohoo. I know. Uh, well, you know, I used yours and you used mine. <laughs> you know, you know what really helps is getting here a little early and drinking a bunch of Chad's beer. Yeah, I saw you out there just oh, yeah. pounding them, sampling away. Yeah, Not pounding them. I was <laughs> sampling, sample, sampling from the variety he has out there. He's got you know like a uh, beer to guard, which we're talking about today. He's got uh, American Pale Ale, which I got a big old pint of right here. He's got uh, the uh, special bitter, the which premium is, bitter. Which I got a pint of. Which is our show after this one. And yeah. then uh, he's got uh, McDowell's uh, Brown on there. Yeah, and they're exceptional beers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that boy is uh, getting to be quite the brewer. Yeah, I'm nervous. <laughs> Look out, Jamil. <laughs> hey, I got no worries. No yeah, worries. No worries. Because, you know, it's just... Uh, I'll just come here and drink beer. Hell yeah. I don't have Stop to brew my own anymore. Yeah, who cares? Exactly. It's actually really nice to come here and have beer on tap. Yeah. Justin. You know, like yeah. four different beers, you know? Beer we didn't bring ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't want my beer on tap. It's nice to have good beer on good tap. Good beer, yeah. That's it, what I meant. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'll tell you, that uh, Dortmunder, though, you brewed with Doc. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a killer Dortmunder. That's that's. You enter that in the uh, Nationals, I think that's a first-place beer. Yeah. I am proud of it. I hope so. It, I love it. I thought it was just great. You haven't drank it all yet? Uh, we did. We finished it. Okay. He has. He kept you know, the majority man. of it. Okay. We got what was... It was brewed for Sam and Beverly's wedding, uh, and we just got what was left. That's all that was here. So. Awesome. But I do like that beer. Is Chad's beer de Guard on tap now, or it's in the fermenter? It is. It's on tap. It's on, but it's not carbonated yet. Yeah. Uh, and... Here's the thing about Beer to Garden. Yeah. You got to age that sucker for like a year. Oh, really? Yeah. Lagered. Ah. Uh, so yeah. it just tastes real young and... and yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he got a nice uh, uh, high attenuation, a low finishing gravity. And, uh, you know, all that's appropriate, but, uh, you know, it, it takes some, some aging. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't even tasted aging. It. Well, I don't know what we're going to do. We'll have to give it to somebody else then <laughs> to keep for us. We'll have to give it to right, John to yeah. take home for us or something. I still have our anniversary beer. So. <laughs> yeah, you want to you put that aside because uh, uh, yeah, it's, it. it's, it's not a drinker right now. That's going to take a while. What's great is he has his 
Beardy Garden and Secondary Keg out there mm-hmm. with like this <laughs> an airlock on the gas in and it just I love home brewing like when you see home brewing and it's like most cheap and frugal way and it's just he's secondary and watching it go through his bubbling and secondary fermentation is great mm-hmm. I don't know cool yeah. cool hi Jamil <laughs> uh, I missed you buddy I missed you too you know it seems like it's been a month it has been. <laughs> you know, Time flies when I miss deja you. Deja vu all over again. <laughs> Seems yeah. like that's a, the case for uh, almost every other show. Yeah. So, hey, uh, can I spring yeah. something on you, Captain? Um, all the styles are over in December of 2008. Yes. The 2008 BGCP guidelines just came out, and they uh-huh. added a whole bunch of styles. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Uh, no, yes, no. they did. No, they added all those oaked ones, and no. they added like other creepy, weird ones. No, because I, I worked on the, uh, <laughs> the the update to the. You walked into that one to the 2008 styles. Yeah. Uh huh. And you're telling me that nothing got added. Comments no. did. Uh, yeah, it's just a refinement of the 2004. It's uh, uh, the part I kind of helped out a little bit with was. Uh, Dialing in some of the numbers on some of the the styles, uh-huh. and then like Chris England, he helped uh, kind of refine the commercial examples, and Gordon and he uh, went through and probably did the majority of work, which was kind of polishing and refining the the text of each uh, description to make sure that it read correctly and that it removed some of the ambiguity mm-hmm. and make them all more consistent with each other. The email I got from the Brewers Association says, 2008 added categories. Uh Uh-huh. Fresh hop ale, American Beljo style ales, Leipzig style ghosts. This, Belgian this, style blah. Is, They're just some weird additions. Well, this has got to be for GABF. Is that all it is? World Cup. It's yeah. not for homebrewing. So, so the thing about GABF World Cup and the Brewers Association styles that they that, that they do. Uh huh. I mean, they do like you know beers brewed on Wednesday, beers brewed on yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, that's what I was know. thinking as I read this. They have like you know two hundred different categories. Okay. And you know it helps. You know, narrow down. You know, keep well keep the categories from being like three hundred beers entered. Yeah, you know, it keeps it down to a reasonable amount. I see. Okay. All right. Well, I thought maybe we get another couple months out of you. I'm trying, folks, (laughs) listeners. I'm trying for you. (laughs) Scratch it. Clawing away. Well, I'll tell you. If before December they uh, you know throw in some new categories, I'll I'll be here. Okay. And and I'll I'll tell you what. I am sure John would commit to this too. If they come up with new categories in the f- going on in the future, Hell at yeah. any point in the future, we'll come back and we'll uh, knock out whatever new f- new styles they throw in there. there okay. You go. All right. Well, we could always do the list that's in the uh, beer specialty category, number twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's like twenty uh, more beers. Yeah, we might uh, <laughs> here and there hit hit a few other uh, like the the the. Uh, the assault uh, coriander beer, the ghost beer, yeah, the ghost beer. They, yeah, there you go. Okay, uh, yeah, because uh, people were asking about that. Yeah, you know, we might we might throw in a few in there here and there because uh, John and I don't want to give this up. No, mm. all right, all right, good. I'm like, all right, carry on. So, uh, anyways, show brought to you by Northern Brewer. There we are. Yeah, good people. Go out there and buy yourself a copy of Brewing Classic Styles. I just bought Cinemar from them. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. There yeah. you go. Yeah, they got that. Uh, that's that extract of mm-hmm. made from it's a uh, Reinheitsgebot uh, uh, approved. It's uh, made from the Carafa special, and you can use it for darkening up uh, your beers without adding roasty flavors. Right. Uh, the other thing is uh, AHA memberships. They're available in the uh, Brewing Network store. Go to uh, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store, and you can buy yourself an AHA membership. And you really, if you don't have one, you should get one. Uh, you get Zymergy Magazine, which which helps you out, and you know lots of good brewing information there. But it's uh, you know I don't know if you've heard uh, you know they they just almost Fighting got uh, uh, homebrewing legalized in Utah. Yeah. They're working in Alabama. I mean, this is part of what you're paying for yeah. is you know keeping homebrew legal where you're living, right. And helping you know legalize homebrewing in the remaining five states. And, and uh, you know other things, looking out for craft beer and and just uh, you know looking out for the industry as a whole. And you know one of the greatest things is if you're gonna be an AHA member, going to the National Homebrewers Conference. Oh, yeah, you right? save a lot of money. Cincinnati this year, yeah, you save yourself uh, at least the cost of membership. Plus, there's a lot of other deals there. But I will be in Cincinnati. Oh yeah, you're going in June. Oh yeah, are you taking the RV or are you flying? I haven't I haven't missed a conference since I went to my very first one. I'm <laughs> flying. It's okay. 2,200 miles. Oh, that's a long. <laughs> <laughs> my textured old RV there. Yeah, yeah you know, it cost me like you know a thousand dollars to drive each way. It's <laughs> yeah, true. If I'm going. I'm going to present uh, some brewing tips. Uh, doing on, a on brewing better beer. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. They kind of finagled me into doing that, and uh, uh, yeah, I'll be there to uh, uh, meet and greet, and uh, you, you know. So if you're if you're anywhere in the country where you can get to Cincinnati in June. I suggest signing up for the uh, National Homebrewers Conference and uh, making your way out there. It is absolutely the best uh, brewing event for sure oh, all yeah. year, including GABF, including everything. Yeah. The National Homebrewers Conference is it. Yeah, uh, all the others are nice, but that that one is the best. Yeah, and then uh, also good magazine to subscribe to. BYO. <laughs> Brew your own. Brew and you own. write articles for I them. do the style yeah. profile column. Thank you yes. for uh, you. lobbing up that softball for me. You are. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I write about uh, different styles in detail. And uh, I think you, in a way, you get a different set of information than you get in the show. Mm-hmm. Similar, but it's different because it's, you know, I sit there and I worry over all the words. And uh, You're a lot more detailed in those articles. Yeah, you get a lot of detail. Yeah, we're just You're just throwing out stuff on this show. It's like, Here we try, go. try this. Try yeah, that. we go through a lot of the basics yeah. and, uh, you know, Know, try and focus on, uh, you know, getting a good understanding in there. Try and, you know, go through some of the nitty gritty. Yeah. So uh, get yourself a BYO subscription. You can do that at thebrewingnetwork.com as well. And then a uh, portion of the uh, subscription goes to the Brewing Network. Nice. Yep. Nice. I hear you're going to Australia. I'm going to Australia in October. Yeah. I'm going, uh, yeah, and then uh, 23rd through the 25th, there's an Australian National Home Group Conference, ANHC. A N H C dot A U dot or dot dot com dot A U. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're all set up there. John Palmer will be there as well. Yeah. And then uh, let's see. I'm going to the music uh, Music City uh, Brew Off in uh, Music City is Nashville, Tennessee. Tennessee. There you go. I'm going there in uh, end of September. Wow. I'm going to be there for that that event as well. You're just kind of like taking off. Boom. Oh yeah. See you later. All over the place. Yeah. Yeah. All for beer too. Yeah. How glorious is that? It's pretty good. Yeah. No wonder you're smiling right now. Isn't it wonderful to be me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Wait. Wait. Okay. (laughs) 
So are you excited for this year? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. Your family supportive and just like go get them, Dad. You know and. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Awesome. Pretty much. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, they they miss me when I'm gone, but uh, you taking your wife or? Oh no. <laughs> okay. They realize you know the importance of beer, and yeah. brewing beer. Yeah. Right. Just leave the man alone with his beer. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. So <clears throat> tonight we're talking beer de guard. Beer de guard. It's an interesting name. Beer de guard. Beer for guarding. Beer for saving. Beer for saving. Beer for lager. Saving over time, yeah. Right. Right, right, right. On aging. Yes. Have you had any good beer de guards? No. I never had one. Never had one, period. Period. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a few that are uh, easy to come by. Okay. Uh, you know, that, that seem to make it across the uh, U.S. at least. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, it, when it's done well, it's a really good beer. Hmm. Something I really enjoy. And have you made one that's... That you liked and yeah yeah, yeah. although I, I think my uh, good buddy Harold down in San Diego he probably makes a better one than I do really yeah yeah he's a tricky devil that Harold I, I want to try some of Harold's beers you always, always mention him oh yeah. I wanted like a tasting with your beers and his beers like yeah. all right let's see he's he's just a great guy yeah. too I mean you know maybe the beers taste better because uh, him and his family are so wonderful you get <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. like they're so nice that they make the beer taste better just by nice their people personality yeah, yeah him his daughters his wife uh, just absolutely greatest people in the world hmm. there's a lot of truth to that yeah I mean you're a nice guy that's you're why my friendly. beer tastes better yeah. well exactly I wonder <laughs> if your like energy is captured in each bottle that you've submitted like a little bit of Jay-Z in it. Well, look, Saddam Hussein hands you a beery brood, it's going to taste like <laughs> like crap, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> I'm he's telling the, you. He's right? dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you get a beer from Jamil, it's going to taste like tender, loving care. That's right. All right. Awesome. All right. Why don't you go over uh, Beer to Guard? Tell us about that uh, style. Well, this is quite a uh, description. Um, a Beer to Guard in the aroma, you should get a malty sweetness with a hints of toastiness. Uh, it's got very minimal esters. Some is acceptable. A uh, little hop aroma, a little bitterness. Um, commercial examples vary from, or actually may have a, a musty or a cellar-like quality, but that's the commercial examples. In home brewing, you don't get that just because of the way they're bottled and they're aged and lagered out. Uh, visually, there are three versions that exist. There's a blonde, an amber, and a brown. Uh, called blonde, is it ombre, and, br- and brune? Um, clarity is all over the board. It can range from clear to cloudy. It's well carbonated. Uh, it's got great head retention on it. Uh, the flavor, you should have a big, malty, toasty caramel sweetness coming through. Um, flavors grow um, more complex as they darken. Uh, the lighter ones tend to be a little bit more bitter, and the darker ones tend to be a little bit more sweet and more malt-focused. Uh, it's a medium-dry finish, no cloying residual sweetness. The alcohol, the higher the alcohol it goes, can give it like a dryness flavor too. And um, overall, it's a very smooth, well lagered, aged Belgian ale, and just malty and lagered out and flavorful. And drink it. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you always finish with drink it. Yeah. That's always like like okay, what do I say now? It's that final yeah. instruction that people are missing. Yeah, <laughs> just drink it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, the thing I would emphasize is when you try some of these commercial examples, uh, Jean Lane uh, is probably the one that uh, you'll find uh, pretty much anywhere. I, I I see it everywhere I go. But uh, um, 
you know, a lot of these examples, when you're tasting kind of a, a woody, musty, cellar character, a lot of times it's it's corked, you know. it's, it's They're using natural corks, and they, you get this real corky kind of, uh, you know, it'll be horrible in wine. It's like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, yeah. It's, it's like corked. Age. Yeah. yeah, it's corked. And it gives it kind of a weird kind of character from mm-hmm. the from the from that and uh, uh, you know aging is uh, you know a big part of it. Uh, I think the the thing to take away from the description when they talk about like the maltiness uh, and the sweetness, this is something that we've emphasized a number of times on the show is that uh, <clears throat> you know there's a difference between you know maltiness, the, the malt character, you know the toasty, the caramel, the bready, mm-hmm. uh, you know Munich malt characters, those characters, and then a difference between that and the malt sweetness. And in this case, this is like a lot of Belgian beers where it finishes very dry. Sure. But it's got a sweetness to it. It's very odd, right? Okay. So uh, what happens is, uh, for example, Chad's uh, beer there, mm-hmm. he started at uh, 1076 uh, original gravity, and then he finished at 1008. Wow. You know, so very good attenuation. Yeah, that's great. Dried out, and you taste it. And it's got a sweetness to it. Okay. And you would, th- and he was like, uh, "Isn't that more like ten fourteen? Yeah. Or what, what uh, he's speculating? You know, it's it's uh, it's like uh, you know, how can Duvel uh, you know have a sweetness to it when it finishes so low? It finishes right. like you know oh seven oh six, you know you know when you're when you're brewing those, but they're still sweet. Yeah. But they're dry and sweet at the same time. Very unusual. Now, describe that in, on your palate, though. If you're tasting this, where would you get that impression of sweetness? Yeah, you get that that impression of sweetness, you know, right across the the broad surface of the tongue, and uh, you know, you're getting uh, kind of a, a light, uh, kind of candy-like sweetness or sugary type of sweetness, and maybe it's the simple sugars that are left over. Maybe sure. You know, it just couldn't finish a lot of simple sugars. I don't. I don't really understand the process behind this. I really don't. It's one of the things that just baffles me to this day. And yet, you know, as it travels past your palate, and and you've you've finished the beer, and you take a swallow, you know, the sweetness fades very quickly, and it ends okay. up dry. Okay. So it just it's, it kind of softly lingers, and then yeah. poof, it's gone. It's gone, and Done. you're ready for the next swallow. Interesting. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's really a fascinating part of a lot of those Belgian beers. But they, they all they all finish very dry, or most of them finish very dry. But uh, they have that. They, there's a sweetness to them, sure, and and that's what makes a lot of people, uh, you know, make these really sweet ass Belgian beers yeah. with a lot of residual sugar in them, and they're too full and thick, and it makes it hard to drink a pint of this. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So now, would maltiness be more up front, followed by sweetness to dryness? So, like, yeah. You get that- although in the in the late palate, you know, you kind of as an afterthought, it's like, well, yeah, wow, it's you know, biscuity, bready. Okay, you get it up front, and That's then the I think you get it at the end, and in between, you get the sweetness in the. Okay, so the very fine balance all the way through. Then, oh yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Now you mentioned corked in this. You know, in this style. Um, now, 
I understand that cork is basically a bacteria infection from the cork. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what is it, um, TCA, it's called. What's it? Uh, trichloral anacol or something it's called. It exists in the cork, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. now if you're if you're a home brewer and you're going to, because you can buy like 375 mil Belgian bottles right. and cork it, mm-hmm. would you recommend that they do that to get that characteristic or... Um, yeah, I mean, the odd wh- thing is that you know the, the the that that compound in the corks or whatever it is in the corks that causes that isn't in every cork. It's in true. like five percent of the corks today. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. So, but ten years ago, it was there. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure. You know whether that would really do it or not, or that's really what's happening with all these others. But you know, they all kind of have this weird, kind of musty <laughs> type of character. At least the the Gen Lane always does. Okay. And maybe that's just, you know, like some house character. Okay, yeah, sure. You know? This is in there. Yeah. Now, are they fermenting this in stainless? Are they preserving this in an oak barrel so it breathes? I mean, how are they getting all this funky mold yeasty character that given it this like? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Huh. But, uh, you know, that is one thing that, uh, you know, is very difficult to, you know, what, one thing I've I've tried is taking some Genlane, the dregs of a Genlane, and pouring that into some other beer to guard to see if, you know, it was something in the yeast or something like that that could, you know, bring that character on. Okay. So you actually blended them? Well, it's, mm-hmm. you know, just a sludge out of just, the bottom. Uh, okay. Of the bottle. Like okay. the yeast right. and whatever, you know, whatever fall, stuff's fallen out of suspension in the bottle. Interesting. Kind of swirl that up with a you know a couple cc's of uh, whatever beers in the bottle and pour that in. Okay. So I've tried that and uh, didn't really get any character out of it. Okay. Hmm. Now cork is porous, correct? Yes. Okay. Now can oxidation create yeah, over some time. mustiness in beer? Potentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Uh, it tends to uh, sweeten up some of the the malt character. And it tends to uh, give you also like a, a papery, uh, you know, wet cardboard, and uh, uh, you know, also converts from the, those alcohols to esters as well. Hmm. So, so that might uh, actually benefit this style, though. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm not really sure that's the case either, but uh, it might be, might be. Okay. Um, in the style guidelines, they say this beer is related to saison. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And now, if you're going to brew a saison, I mean, is it better fresh? But now, let's say if I was going to lager a saison for a year and came back to it, a lot of things are going to change in that beer. Cold right. conditioned, right? Yeast are going to drop out, hops are going to drop out. Mm-hmm. Even that tart sour characteristic will still might even subdue a little bit, mellow. Mm-hmm. Now, would that be a beer de garde at that point, or is it still a Belgian saison? Still a saison. Okay. They're different enough, I think. Okay. That, uh, you know. That's like, I, I, I look at them as totally different. Okay. Interesting. There's you know, there's some similarities, I guess, but uh, I don't know. The Saison, um, you know, it's got that spicing and they kind of, not spicing, you know, a lot of people add spices to Saison. I don't think you need to. You know, it's all yeast character. That, you know, gives it kind of a spicy tartness and that's more of a yeast. Uh, derived thing, I think. Okay, and that's not that's definitely not for the style beardy guard at all. You don't want that, right? Right. Okay. Beardy guard is a cleaner, malty, sweet. Uh, yeah, malty uh, with a you know dry finish and all that. Nice. All right. 
So uh, let's uh, after we get back from break, we'll we'll get into uh, the recipe for this bad boy. Huh? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we'll be book? back yeah. right after this. <laughs> oh crap! It's the hop shortage. No, not the organic free range oyster Russian imperial coffee stout. It's all gone. We'll never brew again. Damn this hop shortage! Damn it to hell! Oi! Away off your wee f***ing hop shortage, Who are you? A f***ing Scottish 80 shilling and you can't brew a Scottish 80 shilling like you was mixing f***ing cement with f***ing hops instead of gravel, you great f***ing ass. Use less hops, brew more beer. Northern Brewer has kits and ingredients for dozens of worldwide beer styles that don't require a lot of hops to make a great pint, like the bloodthirsty and abusive Scottish 80 shilling. Keep drinking great beer. Order at northernbrewer.com and get flat rate $7.99 shipping anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One beer kit, $7.99 shipping. One million beer kit, $7.99 shipping. Together we can beat this hop shortage. My Lambic! It'll only f***ing help it. What have you gotten out of a vial of White Labs yeast? WLP-001. Cal Ale, baby! 23, Burton Ale. 008, East Coast Ale. Cal Common, WLP-810. It's gonna be WLP-400 with beer. I got a sweet hoodie for my vial. Huh? White Labs, your source for great brewer's yeast, would like to invite all homebrewers to join the White Labs Customer Club. Redeem your empty vials for great White Labs merchandise and products. Free yeast, glassware, t-shirts, baseball caps, sweatshirts, polo shirts, and you won't believe what you'll get for 5,000 vials. Members also receive a newsletter packed with White Labs updates and facts, interviews with professional brewers, brew your own clone recipes, beercook.com recipes, and customer club stories. The White Labs Customer Club. Save your vials and get in the club. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Did you know that every day a brewcaster goes to bed hungry? Did you know that that brewcaster is silently calling for the help of people just like you? Do you know that every day the unicorn and the rainbow have to blow sailors for loose change? For less than the cost of a half-calf, quad-shot, venti, extra-hot, soy milk, triple-pump, hazel, low-fat foam, double-cupped macchiato a day, you can help starving adults in Pacheco. Your love can be felt for as little as 7 cents a day. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate to sign up today for as little as $2 a month. Private first class in the BN Army. Buy your way up the ranks as corporal, sergeant, ranger, or colonel with an easy-to-do monthly donation that keeps brewcasters alive and your favorite internet radio station broadcasting. No donation is too small to help those in need. Can't you find it in your heart to share your love with a brewcaster? In return, you will enjoy the wealth of knowledge that comes with every episode of the session. The Jamil Show and Yes even that other show. Thank you for listening, and please sign up for your donation at thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate today. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Sing it, brain hole. Woo, woo. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that that burp was brought to you by Chad's beer. By Chad, there you. <laughs> Our burp sponsor of the hour, there Chad's beer. 
That would be that's a great idea. A burp sponsor. Oh yeah, you burp and some like this is brought to you by you know, and they could pay like you know five bucks a burp. There you go. I bet you you get somebody. All right, so bearded guard from the fine book Brewing Classic Styles, and you wrote this right. <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, <laughs> the beer to guard recipe. No culottes, no problem. Problem. Share with us. All right, starting gravity ten seventy five, finishing gravity ten ten. Now Chad got down to ten oh eight, and uh, that, that's in the range there. If you're you're ten oh eight ten to ten twelve, I think you're okay. Okay, targeting about ten ten. And I get, you know, I get uh, emails from people that are like, hey, you know, I'm not sure that this recipe will reach this final gravity with that yeast and all these crystal malts. And yeah. You know, I'm like, well, dude, I reached that gravity. You know, these these are not like theoretical recipes. These are like recipes that actually been brewed and entered in competition and stuff like that. And so uh, they are, they are, you know, those numbers are, are attainable. If, if you're not reaching them, Check your mash temperature. You might need to lower your mash temperature a little bit. And again, uh, you know the uh, uh, configuration of your equipment and your process may affect that. So uh, you know pH, you know the water chemistry, things like that. So you may need to lower your mash temperature if you're not reaching that uh, final gravity. Uh, you know, varying things like that. So uh, uh, it is important to hit that that finishing gravity. Just because it doesn't have to be exact, sure. It has to be kind of in that range because that's kind of the dryness of you know of, of a beer mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, the body and things like that, and it's really uh, you know quite important. Sure. So uh, uh, you know whatever it takes to kind of make some adjustments to that to hit that, but you, know, you should be able to hit that with the with the recipes as is. Well, sweet sweet Belgians are not an enjoyable drink, right? You know, because right. like there's 10, a bunch 15, of alcohol. 10, 20. And, yeah, oh. yeah. All right. And that's, you know, most homebrewers, that's what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, they're just not getting them dry enough. Yeah. Uh, so you really you really want to get it dry. I think Chad's will turn out nice once it has a chance to age. All right. IBUs, 26 IBUs using the Rager formula. And uh, let's see. Color, 9 SRM. It's going to be about 8.6 ABV. Whoa. It's a big bad boy. big bad right? boy. Uh, let's see. If you're an extract brewer, you're going to start with uh, some Pilsner liquid malt extract, about 8.75 pounds or 3.97 kilograms. Use some Munich liquid malt extract, uh, 2.2 pounds or 1 kilogram. And cane sugar, 1 pound or 0.45 kilogram. If you're an all-grain brewer, you're going to use, instead of the Pilsner extract, you can use 11.5 pounds or 5.21 kilograms of a continental Pilsner malt. So a Belgian Pilsner malt, a German Pilsner malt, something like that. Really the way to go. If you can't get that, you know, the uh, domestic Pilsner malts are pretty good. You know, the, you know companies like Brees, they're making a fine yeah, product. Oh, yeah. You really can't, you know, Great Western. They all make a, you know, pretty good product. Uh, but, uh, you know, the continental Pilsner malt, I, I kind of like... Anytime I'm brewing a continental beer, right. a German beer, or a Belgian beer, or something like that, you keep it true. Where I need Pilsner malt, <laughs> yeah, I like, and you know, it may be more imagination than anything. Sure, because again, you know, the the uh, scientists here at the malting companies and the you know domestically in the U.S. they're you know they're 
they know what they're doing. They're turning out a great product. Oh, yeah. They really, you know, uh, have a lot of uh, sensitivity to that. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, it's tradition or whatever, and maybe it's it's not that important. But uh, if you can, I like going that way. If you can't, that's all right, too. Uh, the Munich extract you'd replace with 3 pounds or 1.36 kilograms of Munich malt, and you're going to mash at uh, 147 degrees Fahrenheit or 64 degrees C. So it's definitely a cooler ferment. Right, right. Well, you want this thing to attenuate out. A cooler mash, yeah. You want to oh, attenuate sorry. out, uh, okay. you know, really dry. Okay. Uh, all right, so the other grains that you're going to have in there, Caravienna, uh, at about 20 level bond, three-quarters of a pound to 340 grams, and then Black Patent, uh, five, 25 level bond, uh, one ounce or 28 grams. Hmm. So all that goes in there... Uh, with your extract or all grain. And then, uh, yeah, the all, all grain, you're going to mash 147. And, and when you're mashing at a really low temperature, uh, it can take longer to fully convert the starches. Hmm. That's because the beta amylase yeah, take longer to work. Yeah, right. Or? And the cooler, you know, works a little slower. Uh, you can, uh, hmm. one, one of the tricks you can do is actually bump the temperature up to like 152, let it go back to 147, up to 152, back down to 147. You're getting the alpha and the beta active, huh. and you can really, uh, you know, dry out a beer that way. So how long are you talking about mashing? Uh, you might need to go, you know, 90 minutes. Really? You know, 60 minutes, 90 hmm. minutes. Okay. If you're used to converting in, you know, 30 minutes, you definitely want to push this out to an hour. Okay. If you're doing an hour, uh, you know... It might be okay, but you might check 90 minutes as well. Okay. Uh, just in case. And there's no real harm to go, you know, 90 minutes. I, I just set a timer, walk away. You know. You have, like, on your belt, the timer or something? I carry it around with me. Oh, nice. Know, those yeah. little $1 timers. <laughs> cool. Um, so is this an amber or a brown? It's kind of an amber color. Okay. And has that served well for you, like? That color, as far as statistically, yeah. okay. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it gives you at nine SRM. Okay, so it's you know uh, kind of on the lighter side. Hmm. Um, definitely not brown. Okay, it does well that way. Uh, hops, you're going to use. Uh, f- in this case, I use Fuggles, five percent alpha acid pellets, sixty minutes, one point four ounce or forty grams. Going to give you about twenty five point six IBUs using the Rager formula and pellets again. And, uh, you know, with the uh, hop shortage being what it is, you could use Fuggle, you could use uh, Ken Golding, you could use uh, Saz, you could use Willamette, you could use... Sterling? Yeah, or Glacier. Glacier, You yeah. could use... Uh, I think there's plenty of Glacier on the market still. Just tons of Glacier. Yeah, Glacier's yeah. good hop. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't avoid Glacier. I think that, that fits right in there. <laughs> Uh, you know, and you could use any any time you're doing a Belgian beer. I think you have you know maybe four or five primary hop choices that are fine. It's going to be Saz, it's going to be Halatau, it's going to be Tetnang, it's going to be Kent Golding, it's going to be um like a Polish Lublin. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So those are the five. Okay. And in this case, I went with Fogel. Well, and he just went out there. Yeah, <laughs> going nuts. No rules. Well, you know, the thing about Fuggled is it has kind of an earthy character to it. 
Which I, they talk about. I think it kind of fits in with this beer style. It does. So it's kind of, you know, matching up the hop with the character of the beer. So you want kind of an earthy kind of character to the beer. Huh. Fuggle is an earthy kind of hop. Right. There you go. There you go. You see, that's yeah. why I'm, I'm three steps ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the emerald of hop res- or beer recipes. I'm the bam, bam. <laughs> oh no, I'm having too much fun today. Uh, I am too. All right. I just love. It. I love doing this show yeah, with you. Yeah. Oh, let's see. And you know, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but I ran into uh, a friend of mine who uh, Kent's hollow leg in the book. Oh yeah, I ran into him at uh, at a conference, and uh, we all went to dinner, and, and we were talking about the trip where where I came up with Ken's hollow leg, that recipe, and uh, he's just the, the the most wonderful guy. Yeah, just uh, you know, he's he's one of those Midwest guys with the, you know the whole Midwest, really kind, easygoing awesome. attitude, and. Uh, and he doesn't brew beer, but he started listening to the show. No way. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, I got this from a bunch of people that don't brew beer but listen to the show. Huh. And uh, his comment was, he goes, you know, the very first thing I did was download your very first show and your very last show. Wow. And he says, there is a huge difference between your first show and your last show. Oh, he yeah. goes, he says, yeah, I can tell when you're starting out, you know, you weren't as comfortable. And he says, now? He goes, you really have a good time doing that show, don't you? Awesome. I said, yeah, we really do. That's great. Awesome. It, is, it is actually one of the funnest things I get to do is do this show. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, no, we have a blast. So <laughs> That's amazing. That guy that doesn't brew listens. That's, that's like a huge oh, compliment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and he's like... It was funny because he said, it's really just nice hearing your voice and listening to you talk. You do have a good voice. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Stop touching my knee. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Yeast. Ooh. Now, this one on this. Throw it at me because I got tons of questions about this. Part. All right. So, so uh, yeast, you're going to use the, the Y-Yeast 1338 European Ale or the White Labs WLP-001 European Ale. European ale. Euro, and you're stressing this European I, ale strain. You, you got to use a Euro ale, I think. Huh. Now, there's other, I'm sure there's other yeasts that kind of fit in there, but all right. Here's the thing about the Euro ale yeast is it's relatively clean. Right. It's a good attenuator, and it has an underlying character that is unique. That uh, what is this? Sure, uh, you know it, it. It's along the lines of the flavor of like a Jen Lane. Okay, it kind of seems almost the underlying character there. Um, but what is this flavor you're talking about? Please share. Very, very, very hard to describe. Oh. but if you ferment something, you know, European ale, people think, oh, you know, a nice clean ale yeast. And if you compare that with like a cow ale yeast. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, it's clean, but there's something in there. You know, it's a very distinct flavor that okay. European ale yeast had. Okay. You know, it's similar, but, you know, and it really fits with with some, uh, you know, European ale styles. Interesting. I wouldn't be afraid to use it in any, you know, European style beer. Really? Yeah. You Even know. like an English ale? Oh, English has its own total yeah. different okay. character. I had to throw know. that out there. So. Yeah, that's that. That's very distinct in a lot of okay. uh, British beers. Sure. You can really taste the yeast. Mm-hmm. 
uh, yeast character, the fermentation character in, in British beers. It's unique. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, so, so for this, you really need it. So why aren't they using a Belgian, like, White Labs 500 or, you know, Belgian ale strain is pretty clean, or the 550 strain? You know, why not something that has a Belgian characteristic, the phenolics? Oh, because this isn't about the phenolics. So this is about the malt? What is this about? It's about the malt. It's, um, you know, it's about the malt. It's about, uh, you know, alcohol. It's about, uh, you know, maybe a slight spiciness. But really, it's it's nowhere near, you know, a lot of the other Belgian ales, the, the bigger, stronger Belgian ales. Okay. So it's like a high-gravity malty beer, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Malty, dry. Dry. A little touch of sweetness to it. But dry. And, uh, you know, relatively clean, but then it's kind of got an earthy character to it. Wow. I had a whole different, like, going into reading the styles, like, oh, this is going to be a Belgian beer. It's going to have all these characters right, right. of a Belgian, but not at all. Well, and it's interesting. I'm, I'm working on uh, my next article for uh, Brew Your Own for the, the style profile column. I'm working on uh, Belgian pale ale. Oh, yeah. And one of the things I note in there is that immediately when somebody says Belgian, you assume... The the yeah, assumption yeah, for yeah. for many people is, well, it's going to be high alcohol. It's going to be funky or really phenolic, or you know sour or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you know it's just not true. <laughs> and there's plenty of beers, especially Belgian pale ale, uh, you know, and bearded guard. You know, it tends to be much more subdued than uh, you know a lot of the other styles. Okay. You know, Belgian uh, bearded guard. You know, maybe not as much, but Belgian pale ales. You know, fairly clean. You know, everyday drinking. It's got a little bit of you know phenols in it. Um, you know, a little little estery. Uh, you know, citrusy type of stuff. And well, all- and actually, bearded guard in another way would probably be cleaner. Right. So interesting. And yeah. all ale and most yeast produce phenolics, right? Or uh, no, I mean you know they do produce some, um, but you know not not like huge noticeable. You know all the a lot of the Belgian strains do. Okay, but again you know uh, European ale yeast for the style. Absolutely, absolutely European ale yeast. Can I throw this one at you? Uh huh. Can you um, primary this one with European ale and then secondary with like a a Bach yeast, so you can logger it out. You can, you can. I, I think the European ale yeast would Did do 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 the job quite well. Okay. I think the aging part of this is more about you know the uh, esterification of the alcohols and uh, you know, some oxidation of the the malts and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think all that is you know part of it, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know that the yeast is really involved in that very much. Mm-hmm. I I can just imagine this beer a year from now, just yeah. thinking about it, what you described. Yep. Round well, you know me, I got all these these beers that are like six years old. So They're probably awesome still. So. <laughs> you know, so this is, again, a beer that uh, fits right in there, and it takes it takes some time to kind of come around. Do you have any of this bottled and aged at your house? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. You know, the, I ran out, and I brewed again when I was doing the book. Okay. Um, I had to make a little tweak to the recipe that I thought would be more ideal, mm-hmm. and so I brewed it. And uh, checked it, and sure enough, uh, yeah, it was right, right on the money. So, um, so I have a batch from when I, br- I wrote the book, which is like what last spring or something. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, uh, perfect. Or last, so it's probably yeah coming up uh, about a, a year. Nice. 
So you have enough to share with all your listeners? Uh, yeah, all, <laughs> all five of the listeners can come by and we'll crack open a six-pack. Yeah, there you, you go. Gotcha. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, if I had a, a brewery, I uh, I don't think I'd have enough for the listeners. We get a lot of listeners. Yeah. We yes, have yes, a we lot of listeners. A lot. Yes, yes. Beer, beer dorks. We're, yeah, yeah, we're getting, we're getting a serious number. All right, let me quickly cover fermentation, then we'll go to break. So uh, <clears throat> you're going to want to ferment this. I like to begin fermentation at 66 degrees Fahrenheit and 19 degrees centigrade. Uh, as the fermentation initially starts to show some slowing, I like to raise the temperature about 1 degree Fahrenheit or half degree C uh, per day until you get up to about 7 degrees Fahr- 70 degrees Fahrenheit or 21 degrees C. Okay. Okay, so you know, anytime you know, it's, you know, start this thing out when when you see it reach high croissant, and when you when you see the the croissant become you know, like a maximum, that's when you want to start raising the temperature. Not once it starts falling down, right? But when it peaks, and you have to kind of intuition needs to tell you, you know, you, you you're looking at you know the really tiniest changes yeah and you say oh it's starting to slow down yeah know your beer right you know before before anything happens huh. you're like oh it's going to start slowing yeah. down that's when you start raising the temperature okay if you wait until like you know the uh, course collapses it's too late it's too late okay you know uh, not too late but it's better you know to you know keep chugging after it as as things start slowing down you start raising the temperature on it right you know keep pumping the temperature up keep it going keep it keep it active okay because you want this thing to finish real dry okay and uh you know that's part of it but you want to start out cool you want to go cool for the first you know a third or whatever fermentation to hold down ester production a lot of that stuff okay Okay, so that's that's a critical part to it. Nice. Uh, and then when uh, when it's done, you're going to carbonate this to about two and a half to three volumes. It needs, you know, serious carbonation. You yeah. Need a lot of a lot of spritz to it, and uh, uh, you're going to cellar this for in the book. I say three months, but yeah, you know, give it a year. Yeah. You know, if you can wait, give it a year. Give it a couple years. Nice. You know, brew yourself a big batch, bottle it all. And wait, and you know, see how it goes over the years. It's a good New Year's beer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, something for a special occasion. Yeah. I think. I think uh, really fantastic. <laughs> All right. So after this break, we will talk about. Uh, no, we'll answer questions from the chat room. Oh, there you go. All right. Sounds good. Back after this. <laughs> oh crap! It's the hop shortage. He's in the basement. Oh please, my triple decocted imperial pilsner. It's all gone. We'll never brew again. Damn this hop shortage. Damn it to hell. Boss is lost. Hop shortage? Who are you guys? Ich bin Doppelbach. Ich bin Kölsch. Und ich bin Münchener Helles. Wir don't need a lot of hops to be delicatable. Now brew something. Malzi. Use less hops, brew more beer. Northern Brewer has kits and ingredients for dozens of worldwide beer styles that don't require a lot of hops to make a great pint. Like the cool blonde Kolsch or the ponderously bottom-heavy Doppelbach. Keep drinking great beer. Order at northernbrewer.com and get flat rate $7.99 shipping anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One beer kit, $7.99 shipping. One million beer kit, $7.99 shipping. Together we can beat this hop shortage. Mm-hmm. Now get blowing! 
Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giant. Park. Valley Brewing Company is Stockton's premier microbrewery and family restaurant in the heart of Stockton, California, just off the Miracle Mile. Brewmaster Steve Altamari crafts a full array of award-winning ales and specialty beers, from their Hitman Gold American Pale Ale to their Black Cat Stout, or any one of their monthly specialty brews, like Valley's Uber Hoppy Imperial IPA. And the best part is, you can now purchase kegs of Valley Brew to take with you from their all-new 30-barrel brewery, now open in Stockton. So pick up a keg and get a taste of one of California's oldest brewing traditions. To find out more about Valley Brewing's historic past, their selection of beers, or family-friendly restaurant, visit them online at valleybrew.com. Or stop by and sample the beer at 157 West Adams Street in Stockton, California, where pitchers are just $5 all day on Sundays. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Put some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Beer. <laughs> Now, back to the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. We're talking about Beer de Garde, which is a French style. And I don't know why I've been saying Belgian all night. Well, yeah, yeah, it's it, a French it plays under the Belgian which, category, and which is Saison uh, is also a French style. But you know, it's you know that Wallonia, you know, Flanders, Belgium. You know, it's all a very close area, and there's, um, I guess, you know, technically French or whatever. But they share a lot of similarities, and and the the main similarity again is the dryness of the finish. Hmm. And uh, like a good friend Vinny. Right. Proves in a lot of his beers is, you know, that dry finish is critical to a drinkable beer, especially sure. when the beers get bigger. Yeah, it's it's amazing. In a lower uh, original gravity beer, mm-hmm. something that uh, you know you're starting out in the ten fifties or ten forties or whatever, you really want to finish a little bit sweeter, a little bit fuller, because it's a lower starting gravity. Lower starting gravity, and you need to finish sweeter and fuller, and that kind of balances out the beer and makes it a nice beer. Sure. You get up to, um, you know, the 1070s, 1080s. Yeah. 
It's huge. You want to finish even drier than you would on something that starts at 1052. Sure. You want to drop below that right. in final uh, final gravity. And that makes it more drinkable. Right. It's it's amazing how that works. It's, it's kind of counterintuitive. You would think, well, all right, you know, it's a bigger beer, so it finishes bigger. Now, certainly in something like a barley wine, Doppelbach, something like that, those are beers that, uh, you know, do finish bigger, and they they work. But in some of these beers, you know, especially the Belgians, they finish really dry, and it makes them drinkable. Right. And if they're real sweet, like you said earlier... It's funky. You can't finish them. Yeah. You know, they become syrupy and, uh, you know, too sweet. Right. So really, really interesting, and, and I think uh, you know if you get a chance to try out the Russian River beers, you'll find uh, you know that that you'll spend a lot of money is, there. It's very true. It's uh, you'll and you'll love every minute of it. <laughs> yeah. You know that 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 dry finish is very important. Yeah. And I think that's the the one thing I've taken away from all of uh, Vinny's uh, wisdom is is uh, you know dry finish is important. Don't think in the standard ways. Well, I mean, so much of it that you preach is. Healthy yeast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, without a great yeast starter and healthy right, yeast, right. you're not going to get proper yeah. attenuation. It's not going right. to dry enough. Yeah, yeah. When I first started brewing, that was a big problem for mine. Just I pitch one vial; that's enough for an IPA. But I was having ten, fifteen, ten, eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, final gravities just wasn't cutting it. You know, yeah. Getting to know your yeast. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brindleson always preached too. I mean, he had a great comment. He said that beer is multi by nature, and I'll never mm-hmm. forget him telling me that. Yep. And that stuck with me, you know. So w- why not go dry? Right, because it'll be malty anyways. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. yeah. Dryness, sweetness is it is not related to malty. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's malty, but it's still a dry beer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Matt. Matt's another really great, smart, very tuned in brewer yeah. that knows you know just a lot about a lot of things. <laughs> the Buddha brewer. Yep. Also, very, again, very you know, Matt and uh, Vinny, you know, so extremely kind homebrewers. They were at the NHC, hmm. or no, the uh, NCHF, the right. uh, Northern California Homebrewers Festival, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they hung around with everybody. They really just wonderful guys, yeah. you know, and they're so approachable. And uh, you know, so you ought to go out and buy lots of their beer, yeah, and uh, you know, tell them tell them why, you know, cause, they'll uh, tell you anything too. Yeah, they're they're yeah. just you know again the best brewers are very free with their information. Yeah, yeah, they won't they don't hide anything. Oh, tell you exactly what they do. Right, and it's like if you can reproduce it, great. You know, go ahead. Yeah, you know, they're not you know they understand the process so well. They're going to be creating new great products all the time. Right, and you know if if all you're relying on is somebody to tell you what to do. I mean, maybe you'll make a great beer, but, you know... Won't be that... Yeah, you're not going to be able to create anything new. These guys create new things off of their incredible talent and knowledge. Yeah. All right. Now, Rambling, how about those questions from the chat room? Yeah, we do got a couple. Okay, through. A lot of people hanging out tonight. It's good to see the chat room so busy. And uh, a couple of different questions about the style. Somebody asked, uh, must be a local, if you guys have had Russian rivers, speaking of them, um, their perdition... Which yeah. what is what does he call it as a subtitle? I think it's Sonoma Beer de Guard. Okay. Yeah. So what do you guys think about that as an example of this style? I think it's pretty close to style, but it's definitely too bitter for the style. Okay. I mean it's I think color the colors right there, you know, the maltiness is there. But it's it's too bitter. It's a pale ale based based recipe mm. that he 
tweaked somehow with the Belgian influence. So, so as a as a French bearded guard. Oh yeah, French. Sorry. No. <laughs> yeah. As a West Coast bearded guard. Yeah. Awesome. Sure. Okay. <laughs> that's you know. true. And and again, yeah. you know that's the thing. You know, go ahead and and you know, you know, Vinny's of a level where, you know, again, styles mean nothing. It's. Um, you know, it's he, he's able to now push boundaries. I mean, he's essentially the creator of you know uh, double IPAs, imperial IPAs. Right. You know, he pushes boundaries and does something new. Right. In a way that's you know just delicious and fantastic, and and it makes us rethink you know beer style. So maybe we put that in a category, or maybe the beer to guard category needs to get bigger sure. to include you know that you know his creativity. Why not? Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, so nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. that's really uh, you know really fantastic. Sure. Okay. Now here's a question that comes up a lot when we're talking about uh, aging beers and aging beers that we would generally find with a cork. Uh-huh. So question is, uh, corked beers? Are we laying them on their side like we do wine, or do we age them upright? In beers, you generally age them upright. Okay. With corks. Uh, I know this uh, Unibrew uh, or uh, Unibrew, uh, Omegang uh, recommends you store their beers upright with the cork. Mm-hmm. Big and, Russian River too. Yeah, and yeah. and I think part of it is you know they don't want the uh, uh, you know generally with wine you keep the cork wet so it doesn't shrink and let right. in more oxygen. I think with beer. I think you're not going to store it that long. You're not going to store it, you know. And if you do, I don't know. But uh, Randy from Oma Gang, now that you mention that, it reminds me. He told me that it has also has to do with pressure mm-hmm. on the cork. Mm-hmm. That since wine does not have pressure yeah. uh, right. and you need to keep it from shrinking, right. that's why it's on side. But uh, that the pressure has something to do with keeping the cork expanded uh, well, in, yeah, in a uh, bottle of beer. So sure. upright is just fine. Right. Oh, there you go. Because it'll, uh, yeah, the inside pressure is much greater. Yeah. And you just reminded me of that when he, because he gave me an old bottle uh-huh. that, that I still have, and I asked him, how should I save it? And that's what he said. He said it had to do with the pressure. Yeah. Interesting. Now that you mentioned it. Well, there that. you go. But see, I, I knew the answer to that one. You did. I heard on another, on the Sunday session, which is actually really my favorite uh beer-related podcast. That's, I love it when you say that. I tell you, you know, gonna, there there was a couple of months in there where where it kind of kind of went weak, but I it, in general over the past few years it's always been my favorite, and it really has just come back so strong. The past like year has been fantastic. Everybody good, has weak moments. Work, I mean, even oh, the sure. so, even the yeah. Sopranos had a tough season. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. the Sopranos had know. more weak moments than the session. Did. See. Absolutely, and I love the Soprano. <laughs> Me too, yeah, <laughs> and I will agree. They no, I, I, <laughs> even you know. too has had a weak album. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah wait, yeah. what? <laughs> no, 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 I absolutely. Um, oak aging. Does this beer lend itself well to aging in oak? Is a question from the chat. Uh, you know, uh, you can <laughs> you can oak age any beer. But, um, you know, if it was more than just the slightest hint, I am really the slightest hint. Sure. You really need to call it a wood-aged beer. So you could do that. Okay. But it would become like a wood-aged, you know, beer to guard. Because none of the commercial examples that I can think of really have a whole lot of wood character to them. Hmm. 
I don't think there's really any. It might complement this, though, because of the malty sweetness backbone to it. Yeah. Maybe three or four days on oak chips, you know, and then pull it off and then... I, I, I love the wood character, and I, I think you could you could wood age any beer. Sure, really, you could. It just depends it. on the character of the wood, you know, how tannic it is, or how sweet it is, or mm-hmm. you know, how bold it is, or how subtle it is. I think you could wood age anything. Okay, and I think you know, done right, you know, you take a master of. Uh, you know, the wood, like, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, you know Matt or Vinny yeah. or you know any of these guys that, you know, know how to work their wood. Masters yeah. um, of the wood. Then, uh, yeah, you know, it can turn out really nice. Uh, if it's heavy-handed or, you know, it doesn't quite fit in with the style. But I, I think you would age anything. And someone's pointing out in here in the chat that Jolly Pumpkin ages their version of a beer to guard in oak. Well, and go. that's a, a great brewer too. Jolly oh Pumpkin's yeah, making fantastic. some awesome beers. So I love all their sour stuff. Yeah, yeah, I like. I really like that Jolly Pumpkin. Good stuff again. Okay, a couple more questions from the chat here. Um, is this a hot weather beer? And I don't think that they mean uh, just you know, is it a nice one to have when it's hot? But I think they mean traditionally. Was this one of those beers that the French brewed for hot weather? That's kind of the question. There. I think they brewed it in the springtime, and they lagered it for a few months, prepping them for the summertime. Like it was, it was they, their summertime beer. Yeah, they called it Beer de Mars or something in the guidelines. It was treated like, yeah, <laughs> and then they would serve it in the summertime or fall. So, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't really want through that winter of uh, yeah, or maybe they lagered all the way through. Summer. I think the chat room concurs. I think that's yeah. what they were asking. Was this their kind of summertime? Was this their session beer? I guess their I lawnmower the, beer. I, I could see the blonde version, maybe. But not in like a darker version, Maybe sweeter not, version. Yeah. I don't know. Jamil, yeah, I mean, I'm just theorizing here. You know, I think the thing is, you got beer, you drink it. <laughs> Hot, cold. Amen. Whatever. <laughs> Good show. All right. Like we're done. You. <laughs> drink it. <laughs> now, last question is uh, carbonation level. Is this yes. something that should be carbonated like a saison? Uh, you know, a, a lot of carbonation, or just uh, is it kind of a regular type of a level that we two and a half, three volumes, so more than you would like an American pale ale, but uh, not like you know the most spritzy of Belgians. Okay, but it's it's carbonated quite well. And you might want to put these in a like a seventy five seven fifty uh, mil uh, champagne bottle, hmm. like a Genlain or one of those. Nice. Okay, and I lied. One more question just coming through now. Does Jamil talk to his beers at any point during the brewing process? No. It's a good question. He sings to them. He doesn't talk to them. <laughs> he sings them old Motown songs. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I rub, rub one out uh, alongside them. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's it from the chat, guys. All right. Want to give us a recipe? Uh, you know, we're running out of time. We're, we're over. The clock says we're over. We are over, but... Uh, this this doesn't go with my it's precision, precision uh, you know. uh, personality. All right, so uh, OG ten seventy five uh, Pilsner liquid malt extract eight point seven five pounds three point nine seven kilograms uh, Munich liquid malt extract two point two pounds or one kilo uh, cane sugar uh, one pound or point four five kilograms uh, steeping grains of B Caravian uh, three quarter pound or three forty grams. Uh, black patent, uh, one ounce or 28 grams. That kind of colors it up a little bit without giving it a lot of flavor. If you are an all-grain brewer, uh, replace the Munich extra- 
the Munich extract with uh, 3 pounds or 1.36 kilograms, Munich malt, and the Pilsner extract with 11.5 pounds or 5.21 kilograms, Continental Pilsner. Your hops are going to be Fuggles, 5% alpha acid, 60 minutes, uh, pellets, 1.4 ounce or 40 grams. Yeast is going to be White Labs, WLP 011, European Ale, or Y Yeast 1338 European Ale. Ferment at 66 degrees or 19 degrees C and start ramping that up before it starts to slow down at a degree Fahrenheit or half a degree C every day till you reach about 7 degrees Fahrenheit or 21 degrees C. And don't forget, uh, there are AHA memberships available in the uh, Brewing Network store. Go buy one. It's a good thing for you. It's a good thing for the home brewing community. I want you to buy one. I want you to be an AHA member. It really is important to me. Uh, Northern Brewer is our sponsor, and they uh, do a great job, and they have great products there at northernbrewer.com. I, uh, great service, too. I, yeah, and if yeah. you've ever been to the store, wonderful people. Oh, yeah. I really like those guys out there. Good good people, and they, you know, they got that Midwest attitude. Which, uh, yeah, they do. Great brewery. Which is one thing I love, yeah. Anyways, uh, good show, John. I Cheers. think you were really on your mark. Thanks, buddy. All right. Yeah. Take care. Cheers. Bruce Strong. Strong.